Even though our world is broken, there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Candid Mike is here to share the gospel through life lessons and heavy-hitting interviews that will leave you inspired. In each episode, you will have the opportunity to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of those you love. Today's episode has something good for you. Hey everybody, welcome back to Candid Mike. I'm Mitchell Lavender, your host, and I am excited to be back with you. We are talking about episode 18 tonight, but before I tell you what that is, I want to update you on this past Thanksgiving weekend. It was awesome. I had family in from Miami, family from Los Angeles, and family from Noonan, Georgia. My nieces were here, my brother, his wife, grandma, granddad, mother-in-law, uncle, my mom, my dad, my sister Chrissy. Uh, it was it was just a, a great time. Uh, we had fun. We had Nerf Wars. We had giant <laughs> Nerf guns. And uh, myself, my dad, my nieces, uh, just a few of us were running around the house just having a ball, blasting each other. We also had lightsabers. Of course, Star Wars fans, I know there, there are a few of you out there. We, we were having so much fun, man. Um, I did manage to do a, a, a nice ninja dive roll and uh, put a hole in the wall. But, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> and that's what happens when you're having fun. Um, but but it was good. It was so refreshing to be with everybody. All of us are cooking in the kitchen on Thanksgiving. I managed to cook a nice turkey. It's my fourth turkey that I've cooked. My mom helped me out this time as well. Uh, thanks, everybody, on Instagram, on my, my personal Instagram for liking that photo. It was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed eating it. Everybody had a great time. We had so many different good dishes. A couple of vegan dishes in there. A couple of regular dishes in there. Some vegetarian dishes in there. Just, just an overall really fun and refreshing time. And kudos to my wife Hope. She was just a, just a trooper this weekend. There was so it was so busy, and so much so much going on. But we were just on the same page, and even when we were. A little bit off of the same page. We, we, we were lighthearted. We worked through it. We were able to stick side by side and just continue to be a team um, and serve our family and love each other and have fun and laugh and relax. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's just really hard for me to relax. Sometimes I feel as if I don't really know how to relax, and I really need a lot of help with that. Um, but I'm learning, and it was this weekend. We were It was a success this weekend. We were able to relax and have fun and, and laugh and be together and just such great memories were made that I'm I'm very 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 thankful for uh, I hope that your Thanksgiving holiday was great I look forward to and would love to hear from you guys about what you did on Thanksgiving and how it was you can send a post on the Candy Mike community page on Facebook or leave a comment on our show notes at candidmikepodcast.com well guys tonight I'm excited because we're talking about why the ministry of Christ was counterintuitive Counterintuitive in comparison to ministries today. Okay, so counterintuitive. You've heard this term before, counterintuitive, right? I mean, something's tricky. It's not exactly what you would expect it to be the first time around. It goes against your intuition. For example, one day I went with a bunch of friends out to a giant dirt park with Jeep Wranglers so we could have fun out there and just, I mean, tear it up. We call it dirting or jeeping. And what happens out there is you have, I mean, it, it, it's insane. You have steep hills that are, it's like a, I don't know how to word it. It's kind of like a canyon. It's like a dirt park, really. 
picture a skate park made of dirt. <laughs> so so you got hills going up and down and on, all kinds of sideways. And you're in Jeeps and you're trying to get over stuff and go down stuff nicely. And you're, and you're challenging yourself to see how far you can go or how deep you can go into something. And can you come back out of it? And it is scary, okay? <laughs> because you don't want to crash, obviously. And your equilibrium is so sensitive when you're in a car. I mean... You could be inside of a Jeep at and tilted at maybe 10 degrees, and you feel as if you're tilted 30 or 40. It's just a very weird phenomenon. But anyway, what was counterintuitive about this? When I was driving my friend's Jeep and getting ready to go down a hill, very steep hill, to me about 40 degrees or so, once I started going down, my intuition told me, Mitchell, step on the brakes. Okay? But what happens if you step on the brakes... While you're going downhill on a dirt path. Well, what happens is your tires lock. You lose traction. And you start sliding <laughs> down the hill, which is so much more worse than rolling. Because if you start sliding, you're, the Jeep could turn sideways and then actually flip over. Completely dangerous. There's no traction on the tires. And obviously, we were in all-wheel drive. 4x4 is what it's called in the Wrangler, so that all the four tires can have traction. But at this point, they start losing traction. Okay, so what do you do? What, what do you do in a situation like this? Well, here's what my friend Nikolai taught me. You, you actually place the Jeep in a really low gear. And you simply take your feet off the gas and the brakes. What? I know, right? Yeah, if you haven't done this before, this is this is extremely counterintuitive, which is our point. When you do this, you allow the pressure of the engine, the pressure of the engine to regulate the rotation of the wheels. This is called engine braking. It keeps the tires in full traction and the Jeep creeps slowly down the hill. It's amazing. It is the most uh, it's, just, it's it's so weird. It's so fun, but it's also a very, very, very counterintuitive counter phenomenon. Engine braking is a racing term. They do it all the time, but it definitely works when you're jeeping and you're going down steep hills just full of dirt. Don't hit your brakes. <laughs> just go in a low gear, let go of the gas. Absolutely counterintuitive. Another example of something that's counterintuitive, right? Proverbs 15 verse 1. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. All right. Well, when you think about this one, it, it does make sense, even though it's counterintuitive. Because it's getting at the heart of somebody who isn't defensive. Think about it. Somebody approaches you. They're questioning you. They're, they're, they're putting you on the spot, so to speak. And you respond with gentleness. Gentleness comes out of you as opposed to you rearing up and arguing with that person again. Maybe you had an argument this week with somebody. Maybe they said something to you or asked you a question or you just felt like they were pushing pressure on you and you felt defensive and you responded with harsh words and the, and the argument escalated. You've heard this before. You've seen it before. You've been a part of it before where a person says something, another person says something, and another person says something. And then all of a sudden, you got this big argument going on but nobody brings it down a notch. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Golden nugget for today. If you find yourself in an argument with somebody, take the counterintuitive approach and answer them with a gentle answer. 
and see what happens in that argument. So this leaves you with a couple of examples of counterintuitive principles. The Jeep not hitting the brakes, but letting the engine brake for you. And in Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Choosing to be gentle when someone questions you or approaches you in an argumentative way. Being gentle and defenseless. Very counterintuitive. So what is it about Jesus's ministry that, that makes it counterintuitive? Well, I got a couple reasons for you, and then we'll finish up. So first is, ministries today, all right, when we look at them, not all of them, but when we look at them, most of them, and we observe them, they're all about numbers. They are all about money, or they're all about people. We want more people, more people, more people, more people, or more money, more money, more money, more money. And it, at that point, is about the appearance and the reputation rather than the principles and doing what is right. When people become less important than money, or people showing up becomes more important than people being taken care of, we have a problem. And sadly, a lot of the ministries out there today are this way. They just want you to some, come up, come in, sign up, give them money, and they don't really care about you or your life or what's going on. They're not really willing to sacrifice or spend time with you or help you grow. Be aware of this. Find a place that cares about you and loves you and leads you in the way that Jesus will want you to go. A lot of times we're showing up to a building, but we're never actually showing up to the church. We got to be careful with this. In other cases, some people just want money and, and the church leaders and, and, and aren't even open and honest with the congregation about what is being done with the finances. One of the things that I appreciate so much about where I serve up here in Tallahassee is that every year we go through the finances with the whole congregation openly and honestly and allow people to ask any question that they want. It's pretty phenomenal and it's something that I've grown to love and appreciate as I become a part of leadership. But Jesus' ministry was never this way. Right? We know from 1 Timothy that Jesus wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He actually cares about people, obviously. He sacrifices himself for them, right? Rather than having the people sacrifice for him. He was not about having a mass following to say, look at who is following me. Look at who comes to my church every Sunday morning. It's not what he was doing. Think about this for a second. Even when Jesus came back, after he died, when he was resurrected, who did he appear to? Well, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, he only appeared to believers. Wait a minute. If he was concerned about winning the entire world in an instant, why would he only appear to people who already believed in him? Well, think about it. If Jesus is about changing the heart, developing leaders, and growing them in their convictions, him appearing to the people who already believed would dramatically increase their faith, deepen their conviction, and squash any doubts that they had. You think about Thomas when Jesus appeared to him and said, put your hand in my wound. Thomas stopped doubting. Jesus is counterintuitive. 
he did not design a mass public event so that a lot of people could come to him. He went to the people. And even in his resurrection, he only went to those who already believed. He was more concerned about hearts being changed one by one rather than cultivating a mass following. If you're leading a ministry, isn't it so tempting to want to see more people come out, more people baptized, more people doing stuff, right? But but if, if it's only about that and no one's growing or being loved or maturing in their walk with God and no one's learning to think like Jesus in their day-to-day lives, then then honestly, we're not really making a difference we're not really making a difference. What's going to happen when they're on their own? What's going to happen when these people become boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, when they become professionals and leaders? How will they lead if they themselves have not been invested in to grow and mature as leaders? When you look at the 12 apostles that Jesus spent his time with, he poured his heart, his mind, and his soul into these men so that they could mature and lead the people who would believe in him. Once again, if he was interested in the mass following, man, he could have just watered down the gospel and convinced everybody by appearing to them once he was alive again. But he never watered down the gospel, and he didn't appear to people who were unbelievers. Interesting to think about. What did he do then? Well, here's what he did. As we talked about in episode 16, he built his ministry on love. He spent time teaching listening, learning about the people he served, sacrificing for them, and teaching them so they could have changed hearts and that they could mature. And lastly, because of this approach, he changed generations. Jesus' ministry is counterintuitive to today's ministries in America. My challenge to us all is to get back to correct doctrine, correct lifestyle that's modeled after Jesus' teachings and not simply people or traditions. Jesus changed generations because he stayed true to what the Father told him to stay true to. He himself was doctrine. He was focused on saving people and helping them come to the knowledge of the truth. If at any point in his ministry, the preferences of people would have become more important than his mission, then he would not have succeeded in his mission. He laid his life down, bore the cross, paid for the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, was resurrected to conquer death, and wrote a check for us that we have the choice to cash if we want to relate to God through grace. His mission, as I mentioned earlier in earlier episodes, was to save us, not to appease and meet our preferences. One of the other things about the ministries today is that sometimes we get too caught up in trying to appease people and meet preferences rather than take care of their souls. What is more valuable to us? What's more valuable to you? The soul of a man or the attendance of a man? The soul of a man or the money of a man? If his attendance and his money precede his soul, then our ministries are inauthentic we have to change the way we think and go back to jesus's way his ministry was counterintuitive today and was counterintuitive back then 
because our intuition does not lead us to Christ-like conclusions. Proverbs 14.12 There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Jesus' way does not lead to death. That's why we have to follow his way. Just as counterintuitive as it is to take your foot off the gas and brake in the Jeep, or just as counterintuitive it is to answer with gentleness when being questioned. It's also counterintuitive to focus our ministries on people, loving and serving them, meeting their needs, trying to help them become saved, and not getting caught up in the attendance or the money, but remembering that ministry is for the good of people, not for selfish ambition. I hope this encourages you today. I hope that you got some nuggets you can take with you and apply to your life, or if you're leading a ministry that you can think and evaluate and continue to grow. I appreciate you guys tuning in to listen, and please, please, please visit our show notes at CandidMikePodcast.com and leave a comment about what has been counterintuitive in your life and what principles of Christ are a bit counterintuitive for you and your ministries. And please follow us on Instagram at Candid Mike Podcast and keep a lookout for our next episode on how to reach out to people. This one's going to be fun. I'm going to have lots of good stories to tell you. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Candid Mike, where we share life and ministry principles to inspire transformation and ministry development. Each episode is a joy for us to record, and we are so thankful that you tune in to listen to us. A big thanks to Steezy Prime for our show music, which you can find more of his music on SoundCloud at Steezy Prime. Please stay tuned for our next episode and follow us on Instagram at Candid Mike Podcast.